It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It is an Articles of News episode. And uh, for today's, uh, what, co-partner in news and crime, here come to judge, here come to judge, here come to judge, here come to judge. Almost, maybe, we'll find out. It's Chow from uh, outside of Austin, Texas, around San Marcos, Texas. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Are we still a judge? Are we still in contention? No, I'm what? not. What? No. The election was March 1st, and I there was four of us running, and I did not make the runoff. There Boo. are two in the runoff. Boo. What? You know, it came down to whoever was number one in the different counties. They uh-huh. got the most votes. Uh-huh. So, And I was not number one in any county. <laughs> well, I want you to know, and I have said this multiple times before, Texas, what are you thinking? That's what I. That's what I think about this. I don't know. I mean, it takes normally I will say too, in Texas you have to run twice. Okay. First time you run to get your name out there. The second time everybody knows who you are. They've seen how hard you can work. They get on board early and it works out. So let's so. do the thing that you do in the situation that you're in, which is you say, So what did you learn? And how has it benefited your life from having this experience? Uh, I learned that I needed a lot of money. Um, one of the people, well, and really it came down to ballot placement because there was a candidate that spent about 50,000 uh-huh. and there was another candidate that probably spent 40,000 and he didn't make the runoff. Okay. So the good news is I did not spend nearly that much money. And, um, so I learned it was good to be fiscally responsible. I met a lot of really great people, mm-hmm. um, that, our friends and associates now, and I do it again, really positive experience overall. So when you say ballot placement, is it because your last name is wild that you were down the list and and that's what you mean? Like people are like, ah, listen, I don't want to look these over. Is there, is there an Anderson? I'll vote for an Anderson because I can't bother getting down to wild. So it's really old school, the way that you pick your ballot placement, like there's a ping pong ball and a bowl and you just kind of like grab and whoever's closest to number one is the top and whoever's down at the bottom, you know, is down lower. And then in some counties they have face cards and they're all turned upside down and they like shuffle them around and you draw one and that's where you get what I think should happen. And come on, it's 2022. We could do this. Mm -hmm. You have like an auto shuffle when you go and you vote. And so everybody has a different name that pops up number one. I think then you you force a more educated um, you know, voter base mm-hmm. where they're like, wait a minute, uh, this is different. But I don't think that's going to happen because I know a lot of um, political fixers, they, they send out lists of this is who you should vote for. This is where they're at on the ballot. Mm. Vote for that one. So um so yeah i don't know so it's really random and my poor daughter she drew my ballot placement she drew the ping pong ball and she drew the face card and so she felt like it was her fault oh no it wasn't your fault like it's not your fault it's fine like i i love my job i love where i'm at being judge would have been great but next time yeah so yeah will you do it again then you said that you would do it but do you think you will yeah i think the position has to be Right. Um, if I don't have experience, like if it's for a bankruptcy court, I should not be a bankruptcy judge because right. I don't practice bankruptcy law. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Right. Like it would be, I would be totally ignorant. So that's the big factor for me 
is that we need judges who have um, qualifications. Hmm. Judges that have qualifications. You heard it here first, everybody. We should have judges that have qualifications. And that's the thing. In some places, you don't have to be anything but as far as qualified goes, you can just be a judge. And that is the scary thing. Yep. You just have to have the right political connections and you get in. Maybe you should be the mayor. Ah. I don't know. I, I don't live in the city. I'm out in the country. So can you be a country mayor, honorary I be, mayor? <laughs> I could be the, like the county mayor. Yes, be the county mayor. But they like the sides road being built, and you know. And you don't you don't like roads? Yeah. Road hater. I just, I'm not a road hater. It's just I'm not that interested in roads like I am justice. Oh, so. so you so you only want to work in the things that you're interested in? Okay, well. I'm qualified for. Yeah. So. <laughs> Man. We'll move to a different country. Am I right? High standards. Yeah. yeah. Too uh, high. Uh, one other thing, just as a, as a bit of suggestion, being the common man who goes to the polls, if I can offer a suggestion to you, and I'm not sure if they allow this in Texas, though since they allow it in Utah, I would imagine they allow it in Texas uh, to be able to have a nickname be on the ballot. So, uh. so you could be chow the duchess wild i always vote if people have pushed to have their nickname be on the ballot with them i will always vote for the nicknamed person interesting yeah so that is a way to do it but it asks a bunch of questions like what's your nickname how long have you gone by this nickname you know where did you get it from how many people know like it's a bunch of questions that i was just like nope we're just gonna keep moving nope so. i'm telling you lean into it come up with something that yeah. sounds very texany something that texas can get behind charmaine sam houston yeah exactly wild. exactly <laughs> Sh- charmaine freedom wild <laughs> i'll vote for freedom Cowboy Charmaine, cowgirl Charmaine Wild. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not kidding. And I know that there are enough people. Because with judges, unfortunately, and 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 really, just like with small town mayors, we should be far more informed that we really are. Mm-hmm. I know people that will just vote for the first one and go through, or like they'll do things like. Uh, and I'm guilty of voting this way one time. I remember in my early 20s where I went through the names of the judges and I went wild, wild, mild. Oh, that's a child. Wild. And then I would vote for the one who I could come up with the, the most fun rhymes that sort of entertained myself. That's not a way we should be voting. But I no. think particularly with judges, unless you seek out that information, you mm-hmm. are just looking at a name and going, I don't know, wild sounds fun. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's interesting how people vote, how it all works out. Um, but I do it again, all things considered. And the other factor for me was I had basically three months because of redistricting. Mm-hmm. You only had between December 13th and March 1st to run and get your name out there. So that was hard, too, because, you know, you can't, I think, 20,000 people voted wow. and try to reach 20,000 people in three months. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, kudos when I saw that you were doing it I just think it's amazing it speaks to the amazing person that you are and that your family rallied behind you in the way they did and your community did I'm proud of you for doing it well and I'll I'll say this which kind of segues into our news Um, I had access to voting records and so I could see how people had voted for the last 10 years and so of course I looked up people because I'm trying to encourage people to get out and vote Um, 
church members are really bad at voting for how, at least in my area, for being a church that says, oh, civic engagement, I was just appalled Hmm. by the voting record. I mean, I'm talking about people that I see thumping their chests, wrapping themselves in the flag on Sundays, you know, 4th of July Sunday or whatever, maybe two times in the last 10 years that they voted. Wow. And just absolutely no engagement in my campaign. No, just flatlined. I was just really, and I mean, I live in an area where if I were elected, I would have been the first elected church member in our area as far back as I know. Hmm. So, um, you know, we're, we're not a majority here. We're not, we don't have a political footprint, but I was like, we also don't engage in that to create that political footprint is what I learned. Yeah. I will say this uh, information that is probably questionably obtained. When I worked for the Salt Lake County Elections Office, I was able to look up the voting record of uh, the apostles and the apostles uh, voted every single election and the, and the prophet as well. Very politically active. That's I, good. I, I also, leadership is doing it. We are selectively, we're cafeteria uh, mormoning that factor of, of things. Like, eh, I don't feel like listening to that. It takes time out of my work. I uh, also feel like I could still be in trouble for admitting what I just admitted, but maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. No. Come get come get me, Salt Lake County Elections Office. I was going to say, I think the statute of limitations is probably run on that. How long, how many years ago? Um, almost 20. Yeah, I think you're good. Okay, they good. can't bring charges against you now. I think the limit is about four years. There, good, good. Oh, you're safe. That's some legal advice for you. <sighs> so I have and to- And you know what? I will just say we did have one school board school board member that was a member of the church um, for a couple of years. So I take that back. We did have one person. There you go. No, no reason why you shouldn't be number two and you have my vote if I could do that. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Okay. I, I, I want to give a warning real quick to uh, everyone before we get into the news, and then we'll take a break and come back and do actual articles of news. Um, I spent a good portion of my yesterday at the dentist. Oh. I had the, the distinct opportunity to be able to split a crown in half and then had to go to the dentist in an emergency appointment, had to have them make a new crown, and they had to build up a post, which I'm not really sure what that means, except there was a lot of blood and a lot of this stuff that coagulates the blood in your mouth that tastes like if you ever put crepe paper in your mouth as a kid, that really acidic, terrible, terrible taste, then only to have the uh, crown fall off, and I had to go back to the dentist later in the afternoon yesterday. And so you might be asking, well, what, what did you possibly do that could have caused this? And here's where the warning is. Bit of fork. Chewed your food. I had More. tricks. You know, oh. you know the you know the cereal you know the cereal tricks the fruity you got shapes. By the tricks, yes. Yeah. Now, now here's the deal, and I didn't realize how serious the warning is, but I hope that everyone hears my clarion voice in the desert, in the darkness, to bring light to your life. Tricks are for kids. Yeah. So when you eat them as an adult, they split your crown in half and you spend the entire day at the dentist. That's a harsh reality for you, but yep. possible advertisement marketing scheme for the cereal. So, Maybe you are the rabbit. 
You've turned into that rabbit. Few few would be surprised if I actually was the <laughs> rabbit for tricks. Uh, but be warned, uh, General Mills, anyone at General Mills, because you know there's got to be a member of the church that works there that would mm-hmm. like to, uh, what, refund me a box of tricks? Yeah. Send one along as condolences. You don't want the tooth back? Uh, Refund the tooth? uh, They they would never pay the exorbitant amount that is a crown. So I'm just shooting for the box of cereal. Yeah, that's all you can get out of that. Oh, my gosh. I bet that dentist was like, I've never really seen this before. But okay, you've done a new thing with the crown, splitting it in two. Just right in half. And and let this be another uh, guidance to anyone who is young and listening to the cultural hall. When your parents tell you to brush your teeth, brush your teeth. You will pay for it. Literally thousands of dollars if you do not do that. Proper oral hygiene as a child comes back to haunt you as an adult. You know, I just have to tell you, when I was in, I think, first grade, uh-huh. my, my teeth weren't getting loose mm-hmm. in my mouth. And so my dentist's solution was to pull the top four teeth, mm. which um, is pretty traumatic when you're, you know, seven yeah. years old. And so, and then it didn't work. My teeth did not come in until third grade. So I got to be a second grader with no, no teeth. teeth. So I'm a little OCD about my teeth care now. So either care about your teeth or you'll pay for it when you're older. And parents, maybe give your kids some trauma so they will be <laughs> very caring for their teeth. OCD about the teeth. Yes, yes. Parenting tip, parenting hack right there. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll do actual articles of news. I want to take a brief moment and tell you about Best DJ in Utah. You can go to bestdjinutah.com. Who is that me? It's also three other guys that I have hired to work for me. Why? Because business has been so great. Uh, We've been able to help a lot of couples as they've been celebrating their weddings, been able to do a lot of uh, holiday parties, uh, birthday parties, being able to just to do community events as well. We do travel, so I know you're thinking, well, listen, I live in Nevada. I live in Idaho. I've even gone so far as Louisiana. I've been down to Texas. I've been up to Washington Uh, All of the places certainly is possible to be able to play music in. Obviously, you just need to get there. You can go to bestdjinutah.com. Let's start the conversation about it. You're getting married. You're thinking about getting married. You'd like to get married. Whatever the thing may be, bestdjinutah.com. Hi, friends. Dan, the laptop man here from PC Laptops with breaking news. Windows 11 is now here. It's fast and it's beautiful. So let's make sure your computer's ready to run it. Bring your PC into any PC Laptops right now at PCLaptops.com. PCLaptops.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. You know, this is our last news episode before we have General Conference. 
So uh, if you want to speculate about anything uh, uh, as far as, uh, you know, general conferency things, there's been a lot of talk about the Heavenly Mother in women's session. And you'll be live tweeting that particular session of conference at the Cultural Hall over on Twitter. Uh, is your speculation that that talk will actually come to fruition and we'll get the heavenly hush? I'm a little nervous, honestly. Um I, so we got this really weird email from our bishop, like early March, all about heavenly parents and heavenly mother. And I was like, what, where's this coming from? Hmm. And then I heard about the trainings and the speculation. So I'm, I'm nervous and, uh, I'm going to try to keep my filter on. So I'm not, you know, just while I tweet, just mad reacting, but I, I do think it's going to be a bit of a heavenly hush. Uh, the church walks a very fine line between this like very progressive doctrine and then being like, oh yeah, we get along with the Catholic, you know, we rub shoulders with the Catholic church leaders and we we're one of these other people. We're part of this group. And so I think in that sense, if you get into heavenly mother and you own that doctrine more, you're going to alienate yourself from a lot of those traditional churches and those beliefs. And so I think it's a really hard line to walk. And I'm really curious how it's going to be. I've got one kiddo that really connects with Heavenly Mother. And I really try to respect that because she's really searched it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried I'm going to go mama bear. That's my other thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get protective over my daughter. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time when it comes to church stuff that I've gotten protective. But um, I'm just a- I'm, I'm like, again, again, right. I have to say, leave her alone. But, well, and there, you know. it's an interesting discussion because if people don't know, there's been some discussion online and uh, the fact that in, in some trainings, etc., that with Heavenly Mother, um, you know, the, the, the church handbook has, has clearly said that we don't pray to Heavenly Mother, Um you know, that in, in addressing prayers that we address prayers to Heavenly Father. But there are other things around Heavenly Mother, certainly with the young women's, uh, the change to have it say Heavenly Parents, uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to, I, I it used to say Heavenly Father, right? Yeah, yeah. We are daughters of a loving Heavenly Father who loves us and we love Him. Right, and now it's Heavenly Parents, and way to go on the recall on that, by the way. Oh, yeah. Every Sunday, yeah. every Sunday for like eight years. That's what I said. Uh, but but there is some some thought and feeling that Elder Renland at the women's session of General Conference will likely be reeling something uh, in about Heavenly Mother, right? Addressing maybe why we don't talk about her or that we do talk about her, but maybe we shouldn't be talking about her or, hey, guys, this Heavenly Mother thing, we really like it. But, you know, let's let's try and keep it under wraps. Interestingly uh, enough. Uh, there's nothing official from the church, and and they wouldn't make anything like that official until it comes out at General Conference. Um, But also, interestingly enough, our last episode uh, that we will drop before General Conference is with a gentleman by the name of Martin Polito, who wrote the book, A Boy's Guide to Heavenly Mother. So we spend an hour talking about uh, the value for men to know about a Heavenly Mother um, so look forward to that episode in the future, right before General Conference. So I'll be interested to see your comments on that at the Cultural Hall for Twitter. If you follow us for live tweeting during General Conference, any temple speculation? Any? Uh, 
are you you guys got your temple that isn't your temple right down there in Texas, right? You got another Fort Worth area yeah. temple, but we were hoping we Austin, we were hoping somewhere around you guys and it's just not happening. Still hoping for Austin. I don't know. Uh can I tell you a little inside? Yes, of course. Uh, Elder Christopherson's going to speak on Sunday. Okay. Okay. If you look forward to his talk, you know, Saturday, you can go to the soccer practice and not worry that you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. And you know, because uh relation, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll be speaking to but your maybe uncle. Maybe I won't get to know anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sharing it on here. Yeah. 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 Uh, you get uh, a conversation with your uncle, Tom. He and I sit down for another hour coming up about a talk he gave over at Oxford. That's a coming up episode of the Cultural Hall. He is the best human in mm. on earth. Agreed. So. Tom Christofferson, multiple books now, uh, mm-hmm. a member of the church. Um, he's gay and the brother of D. Todd Christofferson. And it's interesting to be able to hear about the interaction between the two of them, an apostle of the Lord and uh, a member of the church who is gay. That's a, It's fascinating to a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And it's not something that's new. It's been a, a lifetime uh, they're very comfortable, I'd say, in that relationship. It's been it's been a, years and years and decades of uh, this is and I uh, and they've just you know you, they've come to a good place and they've been in that good place for many years. So it's very inspiring to know that um, you know it, it can just be good yeah. and you can just get along and you don't have to. I don't know. Yeah, even the way that I sort of phrase it, I, I want to take some of it back because it can just not be a thing, right? It's like, hey, yeah. it's, it's my brother, and that's it. And, yeah. and that's where that ends, just the fact right. that he's my brother and I just love him, and yeah. I, he's my brother and I love, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, interesting to note with General Conference, uh, I, I'm going to throw this out here, and I think it has keen interest to you. I think that we're going to get the Maui Temple uh, announced at this General Conference. Good. Absolutely should happen. Yep. Uh, if for no other reason, because of the thousands of members of the church who travel to Maui can have a place to worship in the temple when they go to visit. And they, the church has land there on the island of Maui, a place for it. Um, d- various members of the church have said, oh, yeah, no, that's where it was prophesied. It'll be right over there. So let's just make it happen. Why not? You know, I lived there. Uh-huh. On, on your mission. Spot. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I didn't lived, know. Yeah, on Maui, on the church property where the temple would go. It was we so the first chapel in Hawaii is there. Mm-hmm. And next to it is the second chapel and they converted it into missionary quarters. And so we lived in that second chapel next to the first chapel where George Q Cannon translated the Book of Mormon into Hawaiian where he has accounts saying that he saw Jesus walk on that land, on that piece of land where he saw him walking. Um, so it's very sacred. It's a beautiful, special place. And so, yeah, they, it's about time. Mm-hmm. It needs to happen. Cause that's a very, to live there, you know, imagine that you could live like where a temple should be built, yeah. right. Where somebody saw this, the savior walk. And it was a very, it was really cool. I, I'm excited for that. I love stories like that. And I if people have stories like that, uh, contact at theculturalhall.com because there are lots of places like that within the church. Uh, the, the Johnson Farm in Hiram, Ohio, 
Uh, there is a church working farm there, strawberries and I think apples as well, uh, an apple orchard, but that it's been prophesied that there would be a temple there, the Johnson farm where Joseph Smith was tarred and feathered and then preached on the on the stoop the next morning, uh, yeah. prophesied that a temple would be there. I would love to know those other places. I didn't know that about George Q. Cannon and, you know, Maui there in Hawaii. There's got to be a truck ton of those. If there mm-hmm. are, uh, you know, somewhere that you know about, I'd love to hear about that. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, maybe we'll share those stories in the future. Uh, 10,000 people per session of General Conference. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. People could I go back and that. worship. Masks are optional. I saw that. So. I, it's got to be an every other row thing, right? Because there's normally yeah. 21,000. So they'll separate it every other row, we think. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. And yeah, or staggering, right? Window spacing, like you're in some sort of a dance where this row, this row, this row. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or groups. You're sat in groups. Yep. And then we still have people that come in late, even though it's half as many people. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. Traffic is so bad. Oh, my God. You wouldn't believe the traffic. Well, it's half of what it normally is. Well, and and the churches said, hey, don't don't drive. Don't park. No place to park downtown with all of this stuff that they're doing with Temple Square and the surrounding area. Uh, tracks, that is the, the yeah. public transit, free. So people can ride down to General Conference. If you have a General Conference ticket, you just show that and say, nope, boom, I'm getting on this sucker for free. Uh, all public transit getting into downtown Salt Lake for General Conference weekend free. So really don't. Why would you? Why would you don't drive? drive? Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, which makes it even more awkward when people say, oh, the traffic was yeah. so bad. Well, we know you took the tracks <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. No, it was terrible. There was no, pile up. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I want to share this with you. Uh, happy uh, Anniversary L- Relief Society, 180 years. Yep. Uh, I want to share 10 accomplishments. I'll go very quickly uh, through 10 accomplishments of the Relief Society because I thought some of their uh, accomplishments were pretty interesting. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. This is one that we probably knew, but it's worth recognizing that many of the early Mormon women were suffragists, that through mm-hmm. their efforts, the women in the state of Utah fought for the right to vote. Utah and Wyoming were the first states to allow women to do so. And many sisters in the Relief, Relief Society um, fought and taught about uh, the ability for women to be able to vote. Uh, Today, the Relief Society is no longer associated with the National Council of Women. That was the the national organization that really pushed for it. Um, But that is one of the accomplishments that Relief Society is like, yeah, we got we helped in the process to get women the right to vote. Yep. Uh, in the middle of the Great Depression, under the direction of Relief Society General President Louise Robison, the famous Relief Society's singing mothers were organized. Did you know that that was a thing? No, I, could, I hope they're still around and that I can audition. I, I think we should bring it back where all old yeah. things become new. The singing yeah. mothers would broadcast their programs over KSL radio. There were singing mother groups all over the world. From Germany to Argentina, many European sisters expressed how singing helped them get through World War II. And I think we should bring back the singing mothers. I agree. Uh, In the late 1800s, Relief Society sisters were sending women to medical schools in the eastern United States, as well as donating money towards their tuition. Uh, The Relief Society magazine reported these female students were some of the first women in the country to graduate as medical doctors funded 
by other women from the Relief Society. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Martha, I think Martha Cannon was part of those. I, I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, the first, the first uh, senator, Martha Hughes Cannon, for uh, the first senator from uh, the state of Utah, first female yeah. senator, correct? Yep, she's a founder and member of the Utah's first state board of health, and so I think she was part of that program where she got sent back east to learn how to do medical. I don't know if I it was a doctor, but she knew how to deliver the babies. And yeah, stuff like deliver that. medical care to folks. And I think yeah. there's a statue uh, up on the state capitol and in the nation's capitol, right? Didn't they take away... Didn't they take away uh, Philo T. Farnsworth for Martha Hughes Cannon? I see. I don't know that. Is that unique to Utah, or is yeah. that over in D.C.? So it, yeah, so it's in D.C. Every state gets two statues. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure Philo T. Farnsworth was our Utah statue until we said, "Now nah, we should have a woman," and I'm pretty sure it's Martha Hughes Cannon. TV's not that important anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he didn't even invent the TV. He invented the <laughs> tube that made the TV possible. And he didn't even do that, said some. Oh, snap. Yeah. So, yeah, well, good. Good for her for being a statue. Well, and, and if, and all if the it's, other accomplishments. And if it's not her, sorry, it might be someone else. But I'm, I'm yeah. 99% sure that it is her. Um, Emmeline B. Wells uh, organized the sisters in gathering, growing, and collecting wheat. And what did they call it? The Wheat project. It was used mm-hmm. to feed survivors of the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, World War One, and World War Two. So that's kind of a fun thing. The Women's Exponent magazine, uh, one of the first newspapers in the country written and published by women, another accomplishment of the Relief Society. As soon as mm-hmm. Joseph Smith began teaching about doing work of the salvation of the dead, women traveled back east, visiting family and collecting information on their relatives in order to do temple work in the endowment house in Salt Lake City. Uh, So, you know, the first genealogical society of Utah was formed back in 1894. Other couple ones that we could we should note with the Relief Society. Uh, Sister Amy Lyman, the eighth Relief Society general president, once said Relief Society should work for the abolishment of poverty. Uh, The purpose of the Relief Society Social Services Department was to restore the individual or family to a self-sufficient life. Uh, number eight, when the women complained about wanting finer clothing items, Brigham Young came up with the idea of growing silkworms and manufacturing the fabric themselves. Young became, that is, Zena D.H. Young became the first and only president of the 50-year Deseret Silk Association. Did you know that? Relief Society no. bore out the Deseret Silk Association. These are some I- things we should bring back. Yeah, I guess. I don't like silk that much, but okay. I'm on board if other people want it. <laughs> You'll sacrifice. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll support. Uh, humanitarian hygiene school and newborn kits were developed in 1990 by Rose Ann Gunther, a stake young women president in American Fork, Utah. Her committee, her committee that wanted young women to learn how to serve arranged to have the church building open once a week so ward members could come and help them with their projects. It is now a, a church-wide effort, those hygiene school and newborn kits. And number 10, in 1937, Robison, the Seventh Relief Society president, promoted self-sufficiency in the sisters by opening the first Mormon handicraft store, mm-hmm. women were able to sell handmade items to provide extra money for their families. That's one of my favorite pieces. Um, Cause I, you know, I work and I always, what? Get, I always get 
some guff about it from church. Do you really still in the 21st century? It's so annoying. But yes, I do still, I get comments like I'm less of a mother because I work or who's watching my kids. I just can't imagine leaving my children for that long, that kind of stuff. Yeah, all that kind of garbage. But I loved learning that fact about the Mormon hand handcraft because I I just felt like these sisters had this like need and desire and urge to work and help provide for their families and I loved that that was like hey look let's provide a way let's just make this official yeah yes yeah absolutely love it uh other things within the news I thought this was kind of interesting I'd be curious to your take uh the church doing a ton for the folks in Ukraine right now uh Mm -hmm. a ton to some and not enough to others uh, the church had a story that was put out uh, that they donated $4 million to assist families displaced by uh, the Ukraine conflict. And, uh, you know, $4 million, that to me on the top of my mind is the most that I've seen in one individual donation uh, to a particular organization. At least one fail swoop. I know we're doing stuff within the NAACP that will be in the multi-million dollars, but that's sort of over a, a span of years. Uh, this is, as I understand it, just a one-time donation of $4 million. And to many, uh, I had a, a, a good friend who messaged me, um, Calvin is his name, and said, hey, you know what? $4 million is great, but it's 0.001% of $100 billion. Maybe we should do a little bit more. And I guess the, the question that I have for you and would be curious to your response, like how much is, is enough? Well, I think... Yeah, it's a one time, but they're going to, I bet they're going to do it more. Sure. For That's what I'd say. And the other thing is the risk about how is it being used right now with how uncertain things are. I don't think you just shove everything over right now. Um, so that's the second thing. And then number three, and maybe this is just people in Texas, but not everybody's on board for Ukraine. Hmm which was a little weird at church. We had fast Sunday a few weeks ago, people got up and were sharing testimonies and other people got very upset and said, this shouldn't be political. I don't support Ukraine. I think, and I think they're really into conspiracy and this is some sort of way that president Biden's children's, I don't know that there's, there's a, the nice image that we're seeing from the president Ukraine is not true or Hmm. inaccurate or something like that. So I, I think the church is good to donate, but I think we also have to think about fraud and making sure we're not just handing it over to fraud. And then also it's a balance with politics. Right. So yeah, where the church wants to thoughts. Yeah, where the church wants to continue to be able to do stuff for the, the folks and saints in Russia as well as the folks and saints in Ukraine. I, I, it definitely for anyone getting involved in the United States just in general, we're like, mm-hmm. okay, I mean, but we don't we wouldn't want too much conflict, but also like, let's not just kill people, but also like, Hey, maybe there's a way we can all just come to the table and be kind. No, we're not doing that. All right. Yeah. Well, that's not possible. We're going to, we're going to do something else. That sounds good. Uh, there's an interesting, um, story about a Brigham Young university student, uh, Michael Kazil, as I think how you pronounce his name. Uh, he served his mission, uh, in Ukraine and said, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go help the people. I know these people. I speak the language, was in school and said, I'm out, dropped out of school and said, how can I help people? Um, those that have fled into Poland, I can do something. 
I have the call and up and left and just went for it and has been cared for and been able to share uh, a, a tremendous stories from over in Poland about these refugees coming and, and being able to care for and help place them. And, and I just I hear stories like that and I'm like, man, that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just hearing the call yeah. and being like, yeah, I'm, I'm going for it. Here we go. Well, if you have the again, we're back at qualifications. If you have the skills that you can help, I mean, me going over there, I would be like, "What language do you speak?" Yeah. What is? Hold on, let me get my Google Translator up and running. You know, right. so if you have the skills, you can help. I, I, you know, go and do. Yeah. So, uh, the uh, the uh, Y on the mountain in uh, in Provo yeah. uh, lit up in the fla- the colors of a transgender flag. Uh, over this past weekend, um, deploying the colors of the transgender pl- pride flag, a group of LGBTQ plus allies lit up uh, Brigham Young's u- iconic Y in the pink, the blue and the white on the mountain of B- B- BYU this last Saturday night. Uh, a little over a year earlier, a group of LGBTQ plus students lit up the Y in a rainbow. Now, the difference between a year ago to today is that the university has said, listen, if there's more than one of you, that's a demonstration. And they've put up fences around the Y up on the mountain and said, you know what, you'll be arrested if you go up there. Uh, The people that went to demonstrate this last Saturday night uh, knew that if they were convicted, convicted that they could land up in jail for six months, they wouldn't spend six months in jail. But also they'd have to pay a thousand dollar fine as well. These people feel passionate about, you know, the rights of transgender individuals and 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 won't be quieted. And I think the thing that is most interesting to me is the the group of, of individuals that are like, listen, we banned it, don't do it, and thinking that that will be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and what was interesting from what I know of this story is it was not BYU students that did it. Right. It was people outside of the university trying to send a message to BYU students. Hey, you have support in this community. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I admire the desire to help and to share and to get that message across, because I think it's a very, like you said, hushed, be quiet, quiet pain that's happening at BYU where Mm -hmm. people don't they think, oh, if I share, then now I'm, you know, the witch hunt is on. Mm -hmm. Open the door. Well, well, and with that, I mean, speaking to the student portion of that, I know that they they as far as I know, wouldn't allow students to be a part of it because honor code and, and various offices at right. BYU could very easily, you know, ex- expel them and say, listen, you know, maybe you won't spend six months in jail, but you won't spend any more time on our campus. But you won't get your bachelor's. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No degree for you. <laughs> yeah. So, so using that and saying, hey, you know what, let, let's let these other folks uh, tread up the mountain and get it. Um, yeah. There, there's a very interesting story that I'll only touch on because, uh, you know, we touch on everything here in the cultural hall, and 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 I and I this is a story I just don't know. I just don't know beyond the headline, and I've tried to find out more, but have found no further information. Um, but the headline is: I'm a Mormon mom of four who became a nude model, and and uh, the story is of this woman who. Uh, became a single mom and decided that she would start an OnlyFans page 
where 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 she shows her body and she makes money and she says, hey, you know what? I go to church and I worship and I pay tithing on the money that I make. I am a member of the church, but this is the way that I can make this money presently. And huh. and so I actually reached out to her, tracked her down on social media and reached out to her and have not heard anything back because I, I just wonder if like those who are creating the headlines – really got the story right like is this a woman who used to be and now she's now she's not and to know the story like okay like is this real are you mm-hmm. is this how you're funding your life and then some of these things with it especially the church's attitude towards pornography and your production essentially of pornography like how do you you know how do you split those hairs doing what you do or do you do that you know a lot of questions that I have sort of around that, but n- nothing further to report on it. Interesting. And I'm curious if she reaches back out or says something, you know. Well, you know that if I do get in touch with her, that I'll talk to her about it because I think everyone's story deserves to be heard. And you can have your judgment. Judge away, pal. But I mm-hmm. am curious as to, to, you know, how with that particular principle of doctrine that you go, oh, no, it's fine that I do this. Because I'm not w- watching this, or, or you know, what the the mental gymnastics are to 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 get to that point. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, BYU Pathway. That is the online uh, university that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints has. Uh, former uh, president of BYU Pathway, uh, Elder Clark Gilbert, a guest previously here in the Cultural Hall, and now uh, the Church Educational Systems like head guy. Uh, mm-hmm. it, he has been uh, replaced. President Brian Ashton was put into place by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland uh, and talking about the possibilities of the future. The idea behind BYU Pathway is that it's a it's a way to make education available to lots of folks in an, in an affordable way. Um, lots of people that are from foreign countries who need to get that certification can go through BYU Pathway. Uh, a lot of other individuals are those first-time college students. Um, that need to have that that uh, either that degree or that certification or that education. A lot of um, returning students, whether they be men or women, uh, sometimes the women you know who went to college for a little bit and then got married and had kids and then want to be able to return to school, they get educated through BYU Pathway. A lot of uh, individuals that I know personally are professors through BYU Pathway. So a huge organization, 57,000 students strong, and they anticipate it to be 100,000 students in the next like couple years because of the affordability and, and the maximization of not only the time but how the program works. Uh, just new president, and I think it's super cool that the church makes education as important as it does. I think it's smart to move move that president around a little bit too. get some fresh blood yeah. in fresh ideas. Uh, we have a university here in town that has had the same university president for, I think almost 30 years. And so I, I applaud them for that because I think you get different ideas and different inspiration and different skills that help move the program forward. So absolutely. I would agree with you a whole, a wholehearted, uh, agreement. Um, this is, this is, and you have probably a greater uh, 
understanding of what this would be like. But this is one of those stories that I just read and was like, oh my gosh. And I don't even think I fully grasp it because of my experience with it. Um, This is from the Daily Mail, which there's one guy who follows us on Facebook who's like, another Daily Mail article? Well, this is garbage. (laughs) I I don't don't understand that. Um, But it's the story of a, a boy, member of the church, nine years old, from Utah, has no sickness or trauma, hanging out with his cousins, goes to sleep, and dies. Cousin is, you know, the next morning is like, oh, yeah, you know, Logan, Logan's sleeping a little longer than he normally would. Why isn't he down here for breakfast? Cousin goes to wake up the, the cousin and is dead, unresuscitatable in his bed, and they don't know why. The uh, pre- preliminary autopsy, no sort of like toxicity, no sort of, you know, mm. obvious indicators as to why the, this kid passed, but went to bed after partying with his, you know, his cousins. And I, by partying, I mean probably watching cartoons and eating sugary snacks and then passed mm. away in his sleep. Uh, he was a huge fan of BYU football. And when the BYU football got uh, news of this, they dedicated an entire day to him and just said, you know what, our number one fan. And But as a parent and a parent of kids in multiples, uh, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like to be like, hey, yeah. all is well, and then wake up and have it be. That seems like the very thing that like parenting nightmares are made of. Yeah, it. I mean, he's such a sweet, I mean, not like I would ever look at a picture and say he doesn't look like a sweet boy, but very sweet boy. And you just, you never know. And I've learned that um, we've had neighbor kids that, you know, had motorcycle accidents. Mm. Um, I've watched my, I, it's really weird when you have a kid, my friend and I, we were pregnant at the same time. She had her kid and 20 days later, I had mine, her son um, started having seizures at about three months in, and it has just been a real big, you know, constant trying to figure out what's going on. How do we get through this and fix this and, and help him? You just, I mean, it is the risk of love in parenting because you just don't know what's going to happen. And you just, you know, you're grateful for every day. So beautiful family. And hopefully the gospel brought some comfort and some peace you know, the yeah. eternal promises. That's yeah. All I hope for. And if you hear that story and you think, man, how can I help that? Those folks in the link in the show notes, there is a GoFundMe. Um, yeah. If you feel compelled and that's how you like to show love to other individuals, you can certainly do that. But it's the, the Gagnier, maybe is how you say it. Gagnier, mm-hmm. G-A-G-N-I-E-R family of Logan, Utah. Just, just a tragedy. Um, other things of quick mention, uh, if you want to keep up to date on what the church is doing, we mentioned the money that they've donated. You can go... Let me just say real quick, Richie, uh-huh. on that last story. Uh-huh. His name is Logan, uh-huh. and they're from Eagle Mountain, Utah. Oh, oh, oh. Yep, you're right. Logan Thank you. Gagnier, G-A-G-N-I-E-R of Eagle Mountain. Okay. But first name Logan. Sorry. Yeah. I just no, that, to, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Where's this family in Logan? Do I know them? That's, you know, I live in Logan. Yeah. Small, a small community of Eagle Mountain, though, too. I'm sure that that community yeah. reeling from that. Um, you can follow the most up to date. There's a link in the show notes uh, about what's going on for Ukrainian refugees. A lot of people saying, hey, can we send kits? 
Do we send money? Mm-hmm. Who do we trust? Can we put that as a line item on our, our church donations? Um, but you can find it. Uh, I'll, I'll read most of it right now, but know that you can just find the link in the show notes. It's uk.churchofjesuschrist.org slash Ukraine Europe Area Emergency Response. And you can read not only how you can help, but of all the many things that we're doing in countries like Moldova, in Slovakia, in Romania, um, what people are doing and how you can help if you are inclined to do such. Uh, speaking of helping, um, you know the the uh, giving machines? Yes. $6 million in donations as all things get totaled together. Uh, that's essential clothing for nearly 20,000 children. A polio vaccine for 837,000 children. Chickens for more than 80,000 families. Over 10,000 menstrual care kits to keep girls in school and more than 1.7 million meals and 14,000 boxes of fresh produce to feed the hungry. I think that's, you know, we talk a lot about the machine, but I don't know that we always go, yeah, this is the life-changing effects of putting your money in and watching the crane drop the thing. I think, too, that you know, you, you vote when you go to the polling booth, but you also vote on how you spend your money. Mm -hmm. And when you have that big of a donation, it, it's going to bring attention. This is where people are going to put their nickels and dimes and pennies. This is where they, they want, they, they actually do care. We often think, Oh, society, we're selfish. We're da da da. You see something like that, that, you know, it takes an individual press of a button, right? Mm -hmm. It's very one by one. And that I'm, I'm interested to see the impact it has on that level of people stepping back and saying, wait a minute, this is where people are interested in spending their money. Yeah. What does this mean? How can we, what else can we do? Yeah. That sounds like the words of an elected official vote for Chow yeah. Wild. Vote for me. <laughs> I, I guess it should be a W. I yeah. shouldn't do. Yeah. No, make it a W. No two V's. Yeah. For those that are watching, they get what she's talking about. For those that are just listening, you're like, what are they even talking about? Uh, Just a couple quick uh, stories as we make our way out of this. Uh, The teenager, that is the guilty verdict that was handed down at the Mesa County Justice Center uh, for a teenager in Fruta, the 17-year-old found guilty of arson, burnt the church down. The church building set ablaze in April 2021. We talked it here in the Cultural Hall in our Articles of News. The investigator determined it to be arson. Uh, the Fruta Police Department announced that they had made an arrest in the case. It went to trial, and Wednesday, the judge read the verdict that the teen was found guilty. We're, we are incredibly grateful to law enforcement and all of their efforts. It was a very long case. It was very difficult. A lot of people worked very hard to ensure this outcome for the community, and we are all very pleased with the verdict. The defense maintains that the 17-year-old was innocent and said that she was accompanied by a now 13-year-old boy who they say was ultimately responsible for the fire. So sentencing awaits in that trial coming up on the 31st of March. Uh, I predict some probation for her. You What's that? I predict probation. Oh, sure. Sure. And for that 13-year-old kid, watch yourself, pal. Just because yep, you're not in there doesn't mean that you couldn't be there in the future yep. and no cell phone. Yes. All right. So I've got two stories left, and I wish you to pick which hand you'd like me to read which story from. Left, left or hand. right? The left hand Who's first? The left. Do the Who's left? the left? Okay. 
We choose the right so much. Let's choose the left. <laughs> just for just for some difference. <laughs> yes. uh, Utah just recently celebrated the anniversary of the uh, 5.7 magnitude earthquake that shook us right as we were in the early days of the COVID pandemic. Well. There's a conspiracy theory around the day and time and month and year. Of uh, course. According to the March8Miracle.org, it, it, it spells out because of the month, which is three, which is the third letter, which is C, the eighth day, which is the letter H, which, uh, so anyway, it spells out Christ. And there's a way that they have, because of the day, the month, the day of the actual uh, earthquake, the time, the very minute that Moroni's uh, trumpet fell from his hand, it is a signal and a symbol that Christ is coming. Go down the rabbit hole. It's worth it. It is It is worth every bit of, of how this works out. I am going to need a, and I hate to be one of those people, but I'm just going to say I need a bigger sign. Nope. So Nope. <laughs> It's good. It's it's going to come like a thief in the night. It's not going to come like Nope. Nope. Comes like an earthquake in Utah that a lot of people didn't even experience or hear about yeah. on earth. Yep, now we know. Yep. I was That's how the world is told. Well, no, it's putting together the mathematics behind it. Lots of us felt the yeah. earthquake. I was actually on the radio at the time it happened and I was like, this feels like an earthquake, but we don't have earthquakes in uh we're going to go to commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Maybe yeah. we do have earthquakes. Yeah. Now yeah. we do. <laughs> uh, so the final story. Uh, BYU confirms that the NCAA is not investigating Built Bar and other deals that uh, the name, image, and likeness uh, change for NCAA. For people who don't know, for a long time, uh, collegiate athletes were like, listen, the university is making money off of us. Can we get a little bit of this money? And they've recently ruled, yeah, you, you can get a little money. Yeah. Well, Built Bar, uh, which if you don't know, is a protein bar manufactured in the state of Utah. And I believe Utah County said, there's an opening. We will sponsor the crap out of everything that BYU athletics do. And it really is. If you are at all around the folks, it's like, what's that? Oh, it's my Built Bar jacket with my Built Bar shoes oh with my, my built from the Built Bar studios in the Built Bar stadium. Um, Anyway, the NCAA is not investigating uh, Built Bar uh, and, and its association with BYU is what the story is. I know, I know that people are thinking that they might be. We just want to say they're not. Yeah, they're not doing it. It's okay. Yeah, yep. Perfectly fine from the Built yep. Bar microphone in the Built Bar studios at Built Bar University. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Yep. I can't wait. For, you know, I don't know, the built bars to go out to all the those admitted to the university, right? Yeah, yeah. I will admitted say this. Your admissions later and a built bar. Oh, thanks. I will say this. Very delicious. Oh, as far, well, good. It's like eating a candy bar, but it's good but it's for you. protein. Yeah, oh. yeah. And you know how normally you get the chew of a protein bar and you're like, mm, okay. Yeah, this is you not, know not with a built bar. I don't they know how they do it. Over it. Yeah. They must have they must have blessed the sugar out of it or something. <laughs> a fair point. A fair point. Uh well, may you win your next election, all right? Oh, thanks. Sorry about thanks. that. It's okay. We'll we'll take a couple of years to yeah. just live life. It just I mean, was, that's it, the good news. They only come up every couple of years. And it wasn't the season. <clears throat> no. That's, that's what we okay. said. Yeah. Yeah. 
I even illegally voted for you, and it just didn't work. Sorry about oh, that. I really appreciate that. Next time, do it twice. <laughs> okay, okay, deal, deal. Uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. That if you didn't join us this time, that you can join us next time. Yeah, and that uh, when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. Uh, in the meantime, Brother Brent, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, and Miracles, I Told You So, we'll be saving a seat for you. A seat for you on the back row of, of the, the cultural, cultural hall. hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the cultural hall show. Ow.